from the left wing. Holy mackerel. I like to get high. Two-hand jam hanging on the rim, bringing down the house. What's the quarterback's name? Barkley. Oh, he got slobbered as well. This time, Anthony Barr will record the sack. Man, I didn't even know you was a rapper until you came back looking like that. Jump sides on me, now you about to meet Westbrook. Oh, Oh, what is going on, everybody? It's a Saturday night. It's the Bruin beat. Nick Pope calling me. Uh, Colin, I got to say, if you listen to that intro that I produced, I'm taking the credit for it with Russ and that at the ending. Could it be more fitting than this week? It's perfect because Russell Westbrook is your most valuable player in the NBA. And hey, Bruin fans are happy because he's a proud member of the Bruin family. And now he has another little plaque, that actually a heavy plaque that he could put up at his home in his trophy case. MVP of the NBA, well-deserved, averaged a triple-double for the season. Last player to do that, Oscar Robertson. He had a phenomenal season this year. And and there are, there are haters this year who said, hey, he's just stat padding and he's not really uh, helping his team win. I don't know. They When he put up a triple-double, the numbers for Oklahoma City were a lot better. I mean, they won games when he put up triple-doubles. They were 33-9 and nine when he went for a triple-double. And my biggest takeaway is I'm so happy that this is all over, right? I'm so happy that the debate is over because we've been hearing about this for months now. And the NBA kind of screwed up this year. I don't know how you felt about the NBA award show, but the NBA kind of screwed up this year uh, having the award show so late. Um, I was cool if it was, if it was either uh, Harden or Westbrook, me being from ASU, I was would have been happy if Harden won it. I think he deserved it equally. But in the end, I don't know. I don't think it was a sympathy thing, but I think the way the season played out for the Thunder and what happened to, you know during the offseason last year, um, and how Russ performed, how he didn't just leave, and how he stayed and performed, I think that's, in the end, that's what won it for him. Uh, you could totally make a case for James Harden because he elevated that Rockets team, and oh, there, there's not another superstar on that team. He made Eric Gordon better. He made Trevor Ariza better. He made Ryan Anderson better. Everyone on his team was elevated, so he also could have been in that conversation, but Russ, he... He not only didn't have anyone to work with, but his second best option was Steven Adams. Uh, Victor Oladipo, yes, but he was hurt for a good part of the year. Uh, Andre Roberson's not going to be hitting any threes for you. So it was tough for Russell. Or, or free throws. Or free throws. It was tough for Russell to manufacture offense, and he did it not only by scoring points, but by assisting players and also uh, by defending and, and getting rebounds and getting out on the fast break. So Russell Westbrook was phenomenal this year. And so was James Harden. It, it could have very well been a co MVP, but for Russell Westbrook, it was, it was a well-deserved award. And I, I totally agree with you though, that the NBA award ceremony was way too late. It was uh, lame. Well, they, it was really bad this year, right? They should have done it. Like the MVP debate this year was the most intense it had been, at least in my memory. Right? I never, I cannot remember MVP debate being more down to the wire, being more contentious, being more like, "Well, why would you pick this this guy? Well, what about this guy? Well, you know, what stats do you value? What stats do you not value?" Like, at the end of the day, we had two guys who 
with despite the turnovers, two guys who took their teams to places they wouldn't have been even close to without him. Russ more so than Harden. The way I've always looked at the MVP debate is, if you took the player off the team, what would they be? If you took Harden off the Rockets, they're probably not making the playoffs, but they're an okay team. Sixth man of the year, Eric Gordon. They had some other pieces there. They had Lou Williams there at the end. They had Ryan Anderson. They had Trevor Ariza. They had a coach who really fit in with those players. If you took Russ off the Thunder last year, not next year, we'll talk about that in a second, but if you took Russ off the Thunder from this past season, I mean, are they the third worst team in the league? They might, yeah, they're down in the cellar. They're down in the cellar with the Lakers and uh, the Kings. They're the, I think the, the Suns. Third, I think they're the third worst team in the league. I don't think they would have been worse than the Lakers or the Nets. Definitely not the Nets. And probably not the Lakers, but the Sixers. No, yeah, I think they would have yeah. been worse than the Sixers. I really they, do. They, they, would, they would not be very good. So, like you said, that's a great point. I, I loved Russell Westbrook's speech, uh, it was very heartfelt. And uh, let's take a listen uh, to what he had to say. My brother, man, he, he texts me every single game at halftime, every game. Since I've been in the league, he texts me every game at halftime. He don't got to do that, man. He does that because he's a, he, he has a kind heart, and he looks out for me. Man, I love you from the bottom of my heart, brother. I promise you. I appreciate everything, everything you do for me, everything, everything. And I love you, brother. So, yeah, a lot of people are... Uh... Had an interesting reaction to that that speech. I think a lot of people were surprised to hear him uh, show that much emotion. It's a side of him we don't really see that much. We see the emotion on the court, right? We see the dunks. We see the you know the thunderous jams. You know, no pun intended. We see plays that really bring out emotion and rust, but we don't really see that side of him where he was so you know emotional about the people who helped him get to that point. And I think it was a good moment for him. I think he not that he you know. Not that some people who were haters before necessarily love Westbrook, but I think some people who are maybe on the fence about him are now in Team Russ just because of he showed so much humility when he accepted the award. Sometimes we see Russell as this caricature of just a monster on the court who dunks on everyone and, and takes no prisoners, but it was nice to see him give uh, props, especially to his parents who worked so hard. I saw an interview with Russell Westbrook, and it was a while ago, but he talked about how when he went to UCLA, the only reason why he was playing basketball is because he wanted that free education. He, w- he was a three-star recruit out of high school, out of Lusinger in Lawndale. Ayo. And shout out to Lusinger. And he was a three-star. UCLA initially passed on him. They initially, uh, initially went over him. I think there are a couple of other teams like Creighton that were looking at him, but he waited because he wanted to go to UCLA. And the second wave when UCLA came back and needed uh, other players is when they, they picked him and when they got him. But he initially was just like, hey, I just want that free education. Uh, UCLA is a great school. He had good grades in high school. And so that was what, why he was playing basketball. And, right. and then eventually he was like, well, I'm, I'm kind of good at this and I'm, I'm doing pretty well. So maybe I have a shot at the NBA. Well, here's actually... Here's the story. Here's the full story behind Westbrook and how he got to UCLA. So, like you said, he was not heavily recruited coming out of high school, right? Three-star recruit. Creighton, he was going to go there. He was set to go to Creighton, but he wanted to wait just to see if any other big schools in the end came up. And the only reason UCLA recruited him was because they made a surprise run to the title game that year. Lost to Florida. You know, we'll do that a couple more times. Lost to Florida, and Jordan Farmar from that then goes to the NBA. 
all of a sudden UCLA needs another guard. They only have Darren Collison and Oflalo for the next year. They go and get Westbrook, and the rest is history. So they only got him because Jordan Farmar left. If he had stayed, I think Westbrook still develops in the player he is in today, but he wouldn't have gone to UCLA. And they're not coming back around, like you said, to, to look for a point guard. And he, and he he might be at Creighton or he might be at a, a different school. Uh, but like you said, I, wherever he had gone, he would have developed into uh, because of his athleticism, his talent and his hard work. He would have developed into a great player. I also like the story again, going back to his brother, how his brother just got his master's. So you can tell that that family really stresses education. And on top of that, his brother texts him every night at halftime. Uh, to tell him, hey, you're doing good, you're doing bad, uh, you know, maybe to cheer him up a little. To have a brother who who loves you that much is also really important. So it was cool to see uh, Russ show some emotion uh, and talk to the media because so many times we've just seen him sh- shut himself off to the media and to um, to showing any type of emotion. So that was nice. Let's look at the larger picture of this. Um, we don't get too much in depth with some of the NBA stuff because we're strictly UCLA sports and stuff, but... Russell Westbrook being the best basketball player from UCLA and the NBA right now. Um, Looking at his, it's been almost a year since Kevin Durant left the Oklahoma City Thunder for the Golden State Warriors. Um, I think those two guys kind of needed to break away from each other to realize their full potential, right? Obviously, Durant goes and wins a title this year. Good for him. He got what he wanted. But we finally got to see the year of, all right, Russ unleashed, right? We get to see the full year of him, and things came around for him this year on and off the court. I know the Thunder camp shortened the playoffs. The Warriors obviously went on and won it. But you look at these two guys, they kind of got what they wanted, I think. I agree with that. Uh, Russell probably would have liked for Kevin Durant to stay because he's a, he wants to win. A lot of people paint him as a selfish player, as just a, a, a player who is looking for individual accolades. But there is no doubt about it. Wait, a selfish player who averages over 10 assists Russell Westbrook wants right. to win. Exactly. Right. Exactly. He shares the ball. He's looking to help his teammates get better. And he wants to win. And he knows that they were so close. I mean, they were up 3-1 last year against the Warriors. And Kevin Durant just left them out to dry. I mean, he didn't, they didn't even get any type of pieces for him. Like Chris Paul helped the Clippers get some, some Uh, trading pieces. Oh boy. But Kevin Durant just left and he left them uh, not only without players, but without himself, which is that's the second best player in the league. So you would expect Oklahoma city to have a huge regression, but because of Westbrook's great season, they still were a playoff team. They still competed and they still had a, an exciting year. Right. But the point I was trying to make was when Kevin Durant left, he said, you know, Russ and I were friends, but we're two different guys. Look at what happened has happened since then for both these guys. We've always wondered is Kevin Durant like, like, I don't know. Is he holding Westbrook back? Not from winning, but we, he was holding him back from getting these kind of numbers. Right. And if you're on the other side of things, Russell Westbrook maybe was not holding Durant back from a title, but, you know, Durant needed different teammates, guys who played a different style for him to win. Look at their life since then. Durant has gotten that. He's gotten what he wanted. He wanted a different offense. He wanted a championship. Westbrook kind of, think, wanted to be unleashed. I know he probably would have still preferred to have Durant, but he got what he wanted. He's got a family now. Like, I think these two guys, I think the Durant move ended up working out best for both of them. It, it worked. Well, let's say it worked really well, especially for Durant. He has that ring. Uh, and like you said, Westbrook's able to to become the player and reach the potential 
that a lot of people have, have thought he could be and to be one of the top five players in the league. Well, as, So in terms of individual players, they've both reached where they, they've supposed, they're supposed to be, but in terms of team, it seems like Durant has got the, uh, the better side of the... Right, that, no, and I'm not debating that. Obviously, you can't. What I'm saying, again, is I think even though as good as Westbrook was when Durant was there, there was always a source that, or always the thought, excuse me, that Durant was just this you know, was purely the one and Westbrook was the two. And, but, you know, Westbrook could never, like, would never be more than a two. And, like, this year by winning the MVP, he proved, no, he is a one. Now, OKC has to see what they can do with some other pieces around him. And they uh, added a pretty good one yesterday. So, but real quick, I mean, that was, it's it's great to see a player from UCLA win the award, especially a guy who played in 81 games this year. He only missed one of the last ones. Um a guy who decided to stay in Oklahoma City, which is not, you know, the best place to live in the world, but he stayed and he took on the uh, the job of trying to lift the franchise after Durant left. And uh, to see a kid who was barely recruited out of Lawndale, California, um, a kid who shouldn't really have even gotten to UCLA had it not been for Jordan Farmar, to see him undervalued in the draft, even at four, should have been taken one or two in that draft. To see him go through all the all the criticism with the years with Durant and you know, it was Westbrook hurting him and you know people have their thoughts on that to see him overcome all of that and then win the MVP and have a moment of that much gratitude I mean it just uh, it's hard not to be happy for the guy and now UCLA they were the first to a hundred draftees they were first to a hundred championships what are, what else are they the first to Nick they're first to what Con they are the first to three MVPs now hang on. Three MVPs. Do you know who won the last one? Hold on, UCLA. Hold on to that thought. We'll talk about that coming up in a second. This is AM570 LA Sports. And welcome back to the Bruin Beat. Nick Pope and Colin Yee here on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. And Russell Westbrook becoming the third UCLA Bruin to become an MVP award winner. Who are the two others, Nick? Well, Kareem. Uh, you can make an argument. He had a lot of them. You can make an argument Kareem's actually the greatest player of all time, just based on the accumulation of accolades and stats, right? But we'll, we're not going to have that debate now. But the other one was uh, Mr. Bill Walton. Do you know what year he won it? I want to say 71? Nope. No, that's 77? Ooh, 1978. With the 78, Trailblazers. okay. He won it, yeah. So the first Bruin to win the award, actually, in almost 40 years. Think about that. For a school that's as storied as UCLA is when it comes to basketball, to not have an MVP winner in 39 years is crazy. And Kareem won it six times. He won it in 71, 72, 74, 76, 77, and 1980. So he won it in 77, and then uh, Bill Walton took the, took the award in 78. So back-to-back Bruins. In the 70s. Well, like you said, UCLA became the first school to have three MVPs. Now, I was talking to you about this before we recorded tonight. You know, we do hours of prep for this show. And uh, I was I was asking you, do you know the school that had two? There's only one other school that had two that UCLA was tied with before Monday night. Who is the other school? I have no idea. I was trying to think. I was thinking. Take some guesses. Know, North Carolina. Er, just Michael uh, Jordan. Just Michael Jordan. Now, was- he won it a bunch of times. But like we're saying... We're just talking about if you won it once, that's all it counts for, for this argument. Like with Kareem, you said he won it, what, six times? Like you Six said. times. Yeah, okay, we just count him as the one MVP winner. I was trying to, yeah, North Carolina came to mind. I was like, uh, maybe 
yeah, because of Jordan winning it, there was another another player out out uh, to win it there. Maybe James Worthy, um, but the third or the other team to have two, I I have no idea. Well, it is not a program you'd think it would be. It's not North Carolina, like we said. You thought you think about guys recently. Obviously, obviously it's not Davidson, but you think maybe Durant winning it. No. And, you know, another part of this conversation is that some of these guys who end up winning it didn't go to college. So, like, Kobe and KG and, and uh, LeBron. Exactly. Like, uh, how could I forget him? Um, a couple of these guys it doesn't work for. But the only other school to have two MVPs, LSU. Shaq. Shaq and who else? Pistol Pete? No. Shaq and, wow, LSU, Shaq. You're going to have to help me on this, Nick. Uh, think 1960s, Colin. Tap into that 1960s NBA knowledge you're always talking about. Uh, you're always talking about those, those series in the 1960s. Man. Yeah, I, Nick, you have me stumped on this one. And I kind of worked you over a little bit. Actually, it was 1958, 1959. Bob Pettit, your Bob boy. Bob Pettit. Your boy oh, from... My Boy, Bob Pettit won. I'm not even sure schools were integrated yet. He won it when he went and he went to LSU. So wow. LSU is the only other school to have two MVPs. That's some strong LSU knowledge. Yeah, I was I was thinking maybe Pistol didn't win, and then I was thinking I know Shaq won, so I Bob Pettit would have uh, completely slipped my mind there. Well, I didn't just know that. I looked it up last night uh, after I saw it because I was thinking like that doesn't who was the only other school. Because you think, oh, well, you know, one of the Blue Bloods has like Kentucky or, you know, one of these schools. But no, a lot of these guys just had – a lot of these schools had one player who won a bunch of them. But um, in any event, UCLA becoming the first school to have three NBA MVPs, you know, it's kind of a pointless thing to, to point out if you think about it because, like, what does it really matter? These guys are from different eras. And they really just dominated the 1970s in terms of NBA athletes. But still – uh for Russ to win it with such storied guys is is crazy because you don't really think about him in that context of UCLA all-time greats, right? When you think UCLA, you think John Wooden and you think NBA legends. Russ has still got a bunch of more chapters to write in his NBA career. We're not trying to compare the guys at all, but it's just kind of weird to hear those guys in the same sentence. Like, oh, wait, wait, these are the icons of the game. Kareem, obviously, for you know the, the, what, the five NBA championships, the all-time scoring leader, and Bill Walton. I, you know, regardless of what you want to say about him off the court and away from basketball, Bill Walton, maybe the best college player of all time. So uh, it's it's a, it was a funny stat that we saw this weekend. Uh, it's weird to say. It really is. Well, if Westbrook continues down the trajectory that he uh, – the path that he's on, he might become the second best UCLA player to ever play. I, I think Kareem will always have that title – Walton was a great UCLA player in college. Unfortunately, he experienced a lot of injuries with his feet in the NBA. There's no doubt about he uh, he was still a great NBA player with the Trailblazers. He had a cup of coffee with the Boston Celtics where he was uh, helped them win some titles. But Russell Westbrook just averaged a triple-double. He did something that statistically hasn't been done in a long, long time. But the rebounds call. They're letting him get the rebounds. Oh, my gosh. I don't care. I don't care. A triple-double is a triple-double. And if he continues down uh, the path that and the way that he is playing, he'll be right there behind Kareem. No one's going to pass Kareem, well, though, I didn't for want the, to come the best to this. UCLA player. I didn't want to come to this. Excuse me, Colin. But um, let's, let's have this discussion. Because the whole 
rebounds debate and people trying to, I don't know, unvalue that stat, if that's the right word, is ridiculous. Russell Westbrook rebounding the ball and starting their offense is the best way for them to play. Okay, could you make the argument that, well, he wouldn't have got those rebounds on another team? Yes, but you know why? Other teams have better players. Their best option was having the ball in Russ's hands as often as possible. You're able to push the ball up court, catch the the defense. We've seen it so many times where Westbrook gets a rebound, takes it coast to coast, and dunks it, lays it up, or hands it off to Adams for an easy layup or an easy dunk. That's an easy two points catching the opposing team off guard. Well, and look, are we biased towards Russ because he played at UCLA and he helped him get to two Final Fours, actually? People forget that he was actually there for two years. Uh, yes, we are extremely biased. He is in the intro. But you're listening. This is called the Bruin beat. There's going to be some bias towards UCLA players, all right? If this was the Davidson beat, we'd be talking about <laughs> Steph Curry. Talk about one guy every episode. All day, every day. Um, but it's just funny. Like, this year, like, we just had this guy who ha- who's doing something that we haven't seen done in the NBA in decades and people are so quick to be like, well, actually, I don't know about this. It's like, why not just appreciate it? Why not just enjoy it? There it's- is some animosity towards w- Russell Westbrook, uh, not as a player. It's more as a person. People just don't like him. I mean, the fact that he was not voted to start in the All-Star game, I mean, come on. Criminal. That's criminal. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that he wasn't totally, unanimously an MVP. Yes, James Harden was there, but there are a lot of people who voted against Russell Westbrook to win that MVP award. The fact that 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 was a uh, that happened shows why and shows why there's a lot of people who just don't like him as a as a guy. And look, we don't have to get too deep into that because I feel like people are just resenting him because he's just intense in the way he plays. And maybe he, they kind of remind him of Kobe a little bit. Even Kobe himself said, if there's one guy who's the next Kobe, it's Russ, right? Maybe that's, maybe that's the reasoning behind it. But I don't know. I just thought it was weird this year that people like could watch this guy. He's never left a team. He just stayed there and like he's taking basically this group of C players in this, you know, Midwest small market and he's still performing at a high level. He's keeping them relevant. Like every other time a huge star has left a team of Durant's magnitude, the team has folded. Instead, Thunder picked themselves up. They surrounded Russ with not so great pieces, but they just went out there and performed and they still made it to the playoffs. And I think I think it's just ludicrous that it bothers people. And luckily, it's over. Luckily, this year is over. And luckily, this year of just Russ unleashed is over. It's cool for one year, but obviously, with the acquisition of uh, Paul George, who will be a Laker this time next year. Anyways, with the acquisition of Paul George for the Thunder, that year is over. But still, I, I just we had this phenomenal season from a guy and this, this, this statistical aberration of a year, and it's just crazy people were knocking him. If you're a basketball fan... Why not appreciate it? Uh, people hate on LeBron. Yeah, they hate on Kevin Durant. But guess what? The, all these players, whether you hate them or like them, are great basketball players. And as a basketball fan, I appreciate all of their games. No matter what they've done, no matter their, what their personalities are, I can appreciate ev- every single player because they're just great at what they do. And I appreciate greatness. You know, I, I we are... There's so many mediocre players in the NBA that when you have the handful, the 10 players that are just great, you have to appreciate that. And 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 pretty soon, LeBron's not going to be in the league. Russell Westbrook, he's still young. He's 28, but in six or seven years, he'll be out of the league too. 
So it, while you have him, while you can watch him, you need to appreciate the greatness that is Russell Westbrook. So UCLA fans, be happy. Just be thrilled for this guy from uh, from the school that you support is now the NBA's most valuable player. Um, I'm happy this is over. This is being the last time we're going to talk about the Harden-Westbrook debate because it's pointless anymore. Uh, last time we're going to talk about Westbrook's uh, crazy rebounding season because I'm tired of hearing the uh, – the negative opinions on you're it. You're tired of seeing YouTube videos that point out every time if you, if every you time those, Steve Adams and and you know box out and just say, Hey Russ, uh, go if, get that rebound. If you make those, go outside. Get some help. Just please. You have you have too many please, too much time too on your much hands. Time and you just you have some other problems if you're sitting there making videos about a guy and how he gets the stats in the NBA. Um but yeah, it's 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 it was a good week and it was uh, it was cool to see that side of Russ on Monday night in the speech. Um but Colin, coming up next, we're going to talk about something we've never talked about on this this four episodes of our podcast. What do you think we're going to talk about? LeVar Ball, coming up next. This is AM570 LA Sports. Welcome back to the Bruin Beat. Nick Pope, Colin Yee, and is sitting right next to us because he's always here. He's everywhere. LeVar Ball. He's, uh, he's, he's not only at home in Chino Hills. But he's everywhere. He's at the WWE. He's at the Lakers practice facility. Uh-oh. He's at the UCLA Bruins practice facility practicing uh, with Bizarro Ball. And he's right here in our presence. He's well, kind of like... Uh, I have two questions for you about this LeVar thing. First of all, did you watch him on WWE? I did. I saw a YouTube video of kind of the compilation of everything that he did and okay, but you what he is. You didn't watch it on USA. You didn't actually sit down. I was not watching it live. No. Okay. Why do you, were you at your other job? I was, I was at my other job. At that other radio station? At the other radio station that we dare not speak on these beautiful microphones. We well, dare I not talk the, about. I had the day off on Monday night. So I tuned to USA and I watched WWE and that was the first time I've ever done that. I am not a professional wrestling guy. I don't know a lot of people who are, um, you're not a John Cena. It's 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 fan. just not just not my thing. But the WWE got what they wanted. Mission accomplished. People who don't normally watch it tuned in to see Lavar. I actually thought it was awesome that he did it. It kind of showed that he was in on the joke a little bit, right? It was the first time you'd seen like, wait a second, like Lavar understands that he is ridiculous. Or maybe it just shows he's a crazy man. No, because I you have to go on those things. And you have to be in on the joke. That's the whole point. The point, it's fake. You have to know that, like, all right, you're going to play it up a little bit. Like, I don't know. I think it was a good look for him. Uh, he, he gained a lot of fans after that. Uh, you look on Twitter. Twitter had, has their stories of, of kind of like, oh, what's, what's hap- happening right now? What's popular? And LeVar Ball and the WWE is one of them. And I was just kind of scrolling through the various tweets of maybe popular people, but also just random people. Who were talking about LeVar Ball and a lot of them were like, ah, I just just uh, made me a LeVar Ball fan after seeing him take his shirt off. And oh, LeVar Ball is actually in shape. Uh, LeVar uh, Ball was, was has, he in shape. I don't know. He it, was like he was like in the middle. Right. He, he looks pretty good for, for, uh, for a dad, a dad yeah, who's yeah. he's probably like 50, you know, mid 50s, maybe maybe uh, early 50s. I don't know. I, I have no idea how old he is, but he better, looks it, it could have been worse. Right. It could have been a lot it worse. Been worse. He had. Uh, some definition in his back, you know, some some abs. He had some abs going on. Well, look, if you were tuning in to listen to us uh, talk 
very, very descriptively about LeVar Ball's physique. You've He's very sculpted. Right, you've come to the right place. No, but I, if you missed it, uh, here are some of the best quotes that LeVar had on uh, WWE Raw. I want to deal with you because you do a lot of this, and all I want you to do is prove it. Boy, you better stay in your lane. Or what, LeVar? Or the honey's on, and you to pray. You want that belt? Hey. Oh, boy, you making me shoot. Okay. All right, so the best one obviously being, and the hunt is on, and you the prey. And, of course, he used the uh, stay in your lane again. <laughs> stay in your lane. I just, now they're wearing a stay in your lane t-shirts, man. They've turned that whole thing into just it's amazing. insanity. I, well, that was one of my favorite parts of LeVar Ball's whole tour was stay in your lane. There's a lot of things that I didn't like, like Lonzo's better than Steph Curry. I could beat Michael Jordan. But stay in your lane was absolute radio gold. Well, and we liked it because it was on AM570 Sports, the flagship home of that show. And uh, it's funny how that moment has just transpired into something so crazy. But I don't know. I I like that he's doing this. I did not necessarily like that's the first thing that Lonzo went to was WWE Raw. But my biggest question is, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal that he was there. But I, I didn't think that was the best for him to be in his first appearance in Staples Center to be at WWE Raw, probably not the greatest. But my question is, where was Jello? Mello was there. Lamelo said some stuff that got him in trouble. Oh, we know where Jello is. Jello is getting ready for the season. <laughs> I don't think so. He's uh, he's at UCLA right now. He's working hard, uh, getting some shots in, shooting some threes, bonding with his teammates, getting <laughs> getting used to it and acclimated to the dorms at UCLA. And really enjoying that great food plan, the great meal plan, and the culinary chefs that they have at UCLA. There's a lot of things that you can do uh, in the summer, especially when you're working out with uh, Jalen Hands and Jalen Hill and Chris Wilkes. Well, actually. Getting to know know the guys. I actually, uh, and I talked to some sources yesterday that said that, yes, he is indeed practicing with the team. I cannot reveal my sources, but um, in any event, um, I think the reason why Jello was not there is because LeVar has come out and said that LiAngelo will not be making the NBA, which is a crazy thing for him to say because he has shown irrational confidence in his son Lonzo. Why not just say is going to the NBA? Nobody thinks you're going to be right on anything anyways. So what does it really matter to say that Le- he's not going to go there? Why would you say that? So do you think that's why he was not there? I think it is. He flip-flops, though. LeVar at the draft said, I'm going to be here for the next three years. So unless he he has another son, he could just show up (laughs) unless he has another son. He means that Leangelo is going to be a one and done and be in the NBA. He means that LaMelo is going to be a one and done and go to the NBA. So in that piece, which was with GQ, he said, Leangelo not going to the NBA, but in all the other interviews we've seen, he said, my boys are going to be one and done. They're going to be one and done. They're going to be playing in the NBA. They're all going to be. On the Lakers, and it's going to be LaMelo, LiAngelo, Lonzo, LeBron, and Larry Nance. All all keeping with the L theme. Well, here's the thing. I think LiAngelo, I think he, there's a part of him that still might go to the draft after next year. And I was talking about this with you before the show, again, in that immense prep we do, that LiAngelo's like the number eight guy next year. Jalen Hands, Aaron Holiday, Chris Wilkes. Thomas Welsh, the greatest shooter in Pac-12 history. Gigi, 
Jalen Hill, uh, Cody, Riley. Cody Riley, who's like 30. And I think at eight, depending on if hey, you want Prince to put, Ali's coming back. Prince Ali's coming back. I keep forgetting about him. God, I, I need to stop forgetting about him. He's going to be solid for them. So then depending on if you take LiAngelo over Chris Smith, like LiAngelo's not going to play that much. I still think he's going to be able to the NBA. He's going to be undrafted. And then who's going to sign with Colin? The Golden State Warriors. No. <laughs> Summer League because the, of Bryce. The connection with Bryce and LiAngelo. I, I confirmed that. I can confirm yeah. that, is, that is something to do with because it. Because they both, you know, they both like yoga. We know how that connects, Nick. <laughs> we gotta we gotta stop before we say something bad. But uh, anyways, I mean, I I don't know. It's 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 interesting to see how it will play out next year. Everybody's talking about how that you know will Lavar be you know annoying to Luke Walton. I'm sure he will be. But I think the real story is going to be Lavar mad at Steve Alford that LiAngelo is not playing that much. Steve talked so well about Lavar. Oh, he was never involved in practice. He was never at, he wasn't at every game. He wasn't in my ear. Well, Steve, be careful what you wish for. You've been listening to the Bruin Beat with Nick Pope and Colin Yee. Until next time, go Bruins!